0: Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences of culinary journey. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world culinary chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you i hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food okay so i have your questions now yeah i wanted to say hello and welcome to my dear friend angela i just wanted to say welcome to the show thank you for coming on the show and uh telling us your stories which so I'm excited to hear. So maybe start off like I know you, obviously, but uh, you've had a wonderful career and life so far. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Hi, Lisa. And hi, everyone listening. Uh, so happy to be here. And congrats on your show that, uh, yeah, it's I've seen your career also grow. But so I'm Angela Pachenza. I I live in Toronto. I'm a mother of uh, two. And I work at The Globe and Mail. I'm the executive editor there. And what that means is my group, my, my division um, does everything to get the news out. So that's everything from what goes on the website, what goes on the front page of the newspaper, what goes into the podcast, our visuals, our data journalism, and yeah, kind of everything in between. So it's a lot of fun. A, lot of fun. Front, yeah, row ha- a front row seat to history.
0: To the world. Yeah. Amazing. So, how do you make those decisions? Is there like a meeting every morning at 6 a.m. or like at midnight? Or like, I always wondered how that works because the front page, what's the deadline for the front page? Is it like 11 p.m. or noon or midnight? Not noon. <laughs> or we, maybe
1: noon. Yeah. We have meetings throughout the day, but we go, it gets printed at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So, that is our absolute cutoff. Unless it's an election night, we can sometimes ask to go a little bit later, but 10. PM is definitely our cutoff. It's a very collaborative process. It starts early in the morning as different news stories are happening. You know, reporters are letting us know what they're working on, what scoops they have. We do a lot of investigative work and those stories can run anytime. So we try to pace those out according to what news events are happening that you can't control. So there's some news that you can control as in the ones that we create and are exclusive to us. And there's the other news when an election is happening in the U.S. or when an election is happening here in Canada or things like that we can't control. So we are always trying to think about how do we program things out? We don't want to overwhelm people. We think a lot about the mix that we give people. So, you know, we're human beings. We don't want heavy, depressing news all of the time. And so we need to counter that. We also need information on how to live our lives, how to handle our finances and how to raise our kids, what we want to watch on TV. So we're thinking about the mix that we put out every day to just find that happy place of news you need to know that is important for democracy, but also news that helps us live better lives as human beings.
0: And I think the Globe does an excellent job of that. And I think commendable to you and your team. Like, it is a paper that is trusted. I'm sure people know it from all around the world. And you guys are always winning awards, which are well-deserved. So I think you should be super you know, proud of all your achievements and how how amazing you are and what a role model you are to like someone like me and people who work in the organization or just in journalism as a whole, because,
1: you know, every time you post a job on LinkedIn, I'm like, I wish I could apply for that job. <laughs> we do. We're, you know, we're a really fun, as as heavy as the news can be, it is a really fun place to work. And it's also very rewarding. And I think a lot of that is just a lot of that you work with really smart interesting people and we collaborate a lot and everyone brings different ideas to the table and we're all humans, right? Like we're all people that live in this world, in the city, in this country. And so we all have views on how things should work too. And so when you bring all of that together, yeah, it can be pretty special. It is fun. And we get to work in a lot of different mediums too, right? So the newspaper to me is, I have a very romanticized notion of the newspaper. I love my weekends when, even though I help work on it all week, I still like to Saturday mornings hold it, it, get my fingertips dirty. (laughs) But I also love like our website. I love our social accounts. Our Instagram account is super interesting. I also love, we have a daily news podcast and, you know, listening to the journalists just talk about the stories and help you understand the world. It can be, yeah, it's, it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah, you are a lucky, you're a lucky person in your career, which is amazing. But you're also a mom and you have a life outside of work, which many of us do, and many, many of our coworkers probably don't think we do. <laughs> Tell me about like your passions. What do you do after you clock out of your journalistic put, put your journalistic hat aside? What's your kind of passions? What do you do on the weekend? I know you have a busy schedule with your kids. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I have yeah, our I have my our kids on. are very busy kids. Uh, they're at ages where they have a lot of interests and they wanna do a lot of things. So my daughter is is 15, my son is 11, and they are at this wonderful age where they actually still wanna hang out with us and talk to us, watch movies together, watch TV shows. So we do a lot of that. My son plays soccer many times a week, so often one of us is bringing him to soccer. And my daughter does some horseback riding lessons, and so we are driving her to lessons, sitting in the car waiting for the lessons to be over, and then driving home. So I will say a lot of my life is bringing them different places. But uh, on the weekends, I usually like to cook. It's sort of my time to make. I I love doing a lot of meal prep, so it's not uncommon for me on a weekend to make like a big vat of sauce, of tomato sauce, that then I'll freeze half of it. I'll make soups. I'll do some baking, just, I like, I think because I work on computer screens all day, every day, like so many of us, no matter what job we're in these days, I like to do something with my hands on the weekends. I also like to do puzzles. That's my other little, I like to listen to podcasts and do puzzles. That's another one of my happy places. I love
0: it. That's, that's me, except for the puzzles. But I love the cooking and the touching and the feeling and the no screens and just the music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love also hanging out with friends and we do a lot of dinner parties Um, during the pandemic. Like many people, we got into, you know, the bread making and the cocktail making and and everything making. So I think a lot of those things have sort of stuck because they're fun and tactile. So,
0: yeah. And I think, you know, we were lucky post-pandemic to do a little paddle on a weekend morning and, uh, Catch up, which was nice. And I think we're going to try and do some pickleballing in our neighborhood, which
1: is all the craze. But that's, the, the, you know, yeah, I, yeah. In the summer, I love paddle boarding. My son, I got into this great routine in the summer where my son played soccer on Sunday mornings down for those of you in Toronto near Cherry Beach. And it was like a five minute walk to the water. And so I would drop him off at his soccer, I would pump up the board and then hit the water for like an hour and then pick him up afterwards. And it was a great way to spend a Sunday morning. He had a lot of fun, got all sweaty playing soccer. I got to get in the water and paddleboard. And it was, yeah, that was a a good routine for us in the summer for both of us.
0: And there's another cool thing you do with your daughter. Tell us about that, because I think that's like something that, like you said, is a very cool connector to that age. Tell me a little bit more about.
1: Yeah, my, my daughter and I, well, I have for a long, for many years, been going to the gym pretty regularly and I like to do weight training. Uh, I just find, again, maybe it's using my hands, picking things up. It is a bit of my happy place. And yeah, a few years ago, my daughter started to get interested in weight training and, and I was bringing her with her and she was doing like an after-school club of junior lifters. So it was like weightlifting for young girls. And what was great about it is, you know, teenage girls, their bodies are changing. They're trying to figure out what they can and can't do with their bodies and come to terms with things shifting and growing and all the things that are happening. And I just found with her, with weightlifting, she was in control. She could understand how strong and beautiful and powerful her body could be. And it was something we could do together. And I think we both impressed each other with how much we could lift, the different things that we could do. And nothing beats sort of leaving the gym on that high with that really good feeling about yourself. We would get smoothies and then and then walk home. And it was just something that our, it, it is a really nice mother and daughter thing to do. And she doesn't do it as an after school program anymore, but we go on the weekends together. And so Love it. that's something that I hope we can continue for a long time because I just think it's so important for young women to learn how strong their bodies can be, and then carry that with you for the rest of your life, right? Like, know how to move, know what you're capable of, never limit yourself, and learn that from your early teens. I love
0: that. I'm getting goosebumps because <laughs> a lot of girls, especially her age, are looking at Instagram and filtered images and media and magazines, and that's not what a real woman looks like. A real woman has bumps and curves and stretches and stretch marks and yeah so that's super super amazing i yeah i should join you on that because i've been curious to try yeah, that yes type of please activity. come okay we'll make it a date. so traveling around and interviewing you know wonderful people from politicians to celebrities and celebrity chefs like what notable chefs have you interviewed and was there anything you kind of can share about your time with them, I know some of them was a while before you were you know executive editor, but what who did you interview? Tell us
1: yeah I mean when i when I started out in journalism, I was a reporter, and for six years, I did music and entertainment reporting, so I got to cover the Grammys. I got to travel Canada and the u s mostly and interview different people in terms of chefs i've interviewed Nigella Lawson and Jamie Oliver. And, you know, Jamie Oliver really stuck out for me because he was so personable and just a really easygoing guy. And he had just as many questions for me as I had for him. So he, at the time, had just come out. I forget if it was his first or second cookbook. I mean, he's probably got 20 now. But I remember he asked me, like, we talked about our families. We talked about, I mean, at the time, I didn't have children, but I grew up in a very um in a family where food was very important. it was part of our rituals, it was part of like our our connector and you know that's very much what he was trying to do with his sort of brand of cooking and his cookbooks bringing good food to the masses, making it easier for people more accessible, less intimidating and I just remember that being very very relatable, which is you know probably why he became so famous and had all of his t v shows and and whatnot so Yeah. And I think he, like you said, he just
0: made it all about simple and family and fast and easy because, yeah, you can get a cookbook that's like molecular gastronomy, Michelin star, but you're never going to use it. (laughs) But he has that 30 minute meal book, which I think everyone I know has that book. And they're like, actually really good. I'm like, yeah, because cooking can be quick and easy and delicious. So
1: exactly. A six hour. Although, you know, once in a while I like doing those too.
0: Well, yeah, if you yeah, when the kids are not having all their practices to be shuttled,
1: yes, so I I've perfected, I perfected like how do you make a meal between soccer practice, <laughs> like from the time you drop them off to then picking them up, and like that in between. So wait till
0: they can start driving themselves, then you're gonna be making like big elaborate dinners would be amazing,
1: <laughs> or going out for dinner.
0: Yes, that's another one. Yes. And your kids,
1: are they picky eaters or do they eat everything? What's their, like, what do teenagers eat nowadays? Yeah, my daughter eats pretty much everything. You know, there are a few foods she doesn't like, like she's not big into sushi, but she loves most meat, prepared many different ways, loves curries, loves noodle-based dishes. You know, has started experimenting with me a little bit, cooking in the kitchen, which is nice. My son is the foodie for sure in the family, will eat anything we'll try anything at least once he is really wow. big into sushi always has been and wow. um, but uh yeah but no my kids are they're fun to take out for dinner now because they do want to try different things although they become very expensive because there's no kitty menu involved uh, they, no. <laughs> like adults so so that's fun yeah
0: nice and tell me from like the news and global like you you have your ear on the pulse of what's going on globally. Is there any food trends or anything that's coming up and that you're seeing more often in the news?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say kelp is is something I've been keeping an eye on. So that's a form of seaweed. I don't know if you tried kelp chips or there's some okay. kelp noodles. They're also turning it into purees that you can add to smoothies. And one of the okay, reasons... No. Yeah, one of the things that is sort of cool about it is, well, first of all, it can be grown in Canada. There's like a big British Columbia export business starting to emerge around kelp. It's very environmentally easy to grow because you don't have to fertilize it. You don't have to water it. It grows in the water. It also cleans the oceans as it grows. uh, So it's kind of cool. And it's super nutritious. I believe it's like higher in calcium than milk is it's got mac- wow fiber yeah kelp is kind of like a superfood and so i'm starting to see it more like grocery store you'll notice it in chips noodles all kinds of interesting things
0: yeah Oh, okay is that i know this is really is this this dust that grows on the side of rocks like really like squidgy and like soft and like yes okay but they, so can- they just harvest it and dry it or um
1: I believe that they, I'm not an exact kelp expert, but from what I've read. Well, you are in this, on this podcast now. (laughs) They'll, their seed, they'll do rows of seed in the ocean and it grows and yeah, you just Hmm. harvest it. And in some areas it's neat because you can grow it off season from fishing season. And so I think it's in Maine where like, I think the hope is that the lobster fishermen there's lobster season and then they can have a kelp season eventually and oh, okay. start created as a sustainable uh, sustainable,
0: food. yeah. For sure. That's that's crazy. Okay. I'm gonna like check my grocery store, see if there's anything kelp or you'll
1: see chips for sure. For those sure. are everywhere. Kelp
0: chips, okay. Yeah. Because some stores have those seaweed, like flat crackery yeah, so things. I don't know
1: if that is kelp that I'd need to look into. Okay. Cause it's seaweed. I don't know if that's so oh, kelp they, is a, a mar- form. A marriage. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I'm not that much of an expert, although I love those. Okay. I love those seaweed. Yeah.
0: Uh, they're so yummy and salty. I love them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So as
0: a journalist, you know, there's been lots of madmen and all these different like types of portrayal of journalists and the media. What's rolling around at the Globe to eat? Like, is there a drinks cart coming around? Is there, you know, uh, a there chef is- making... Making dinner for like the Google employees, like a chef from Italy. <laughs> no, we are I not. saw that in a news
1: article. I was like, that's amazing. Yes, we are not Silicon Valley. That is for sure. Uh, no, our food traditions are more around events, like big news events. So pizza on election nights is like a sacred tradition in the newsroom. We'll order like 20 boxes, have them all around the newsroom while we work all night on elections, especially the election nights where You don't have a clear winter until like one in the morning. And so then you're eating like cold pizza by 1 a.m. One year, a few of us tried because we were all kind of getting tired of pizza. So we thought, let's do something different. We'll try burritos. Never doing that again because... Soggy. No, not just that. It required a spreadsheet of like what does everyone oh. want in their burrito. It was too customized, and so yeah, you know, we not are gonna we work. we vowed never to do that again, and we went back to pizza. Because um, how pizza...
0: many people are you ordering for?
1: Like two hundred or? Oh gosh, no, not that many. I mean, it depends. In our newsroom, you know, on some big election night, like a federal election, you could have like forty, fifty people in the newsroom. Okay, on forty, a smaller... fifty burrito orders. Yeah, exactly. That would be way <laughs> nobody. And you're anyway, like, I got, do not want that job. We got overly <laughs> ambitious. Overly ambitious. Yeah. But sometimes that's fun. fun. We like to be ambitious. Oh my gosh. Our journalism and our food choices. There we go. Well, you could try something like maybe a little
0: bit more. I don't know. Pizza, I think, should stick to the. the, the well, we're sticking to pizza. Tradition. Yeah. Good tradition. Okay. Are you looking for a unique way to connect and entertain your team? Join us in Toronto or virtually and let us host the most fun events for your team with food. Great for teams of any size, La Dolce Culinary Classroom Studio in Toronto offers different packages to suit every event organizers needs. Have your team make gnocchi pasta from scratch and then enjoy it with a glass of wine. Or try our wine and chocolate tasting series where you'll have your very own sommelier guiding you through several wines and yummy chocolates to discover the aroma, taste and finish of each one. Or how about getting your teams to be cake boss for a day? They will design and build a cake and win prizes on their creativity, height, and style. Of course, eating buttercream mistakes is all part of the fun. Great for client entertaining, sales meetings, conferences, and more. And if you're interested in learning more, drop an email to events at and they will organize something fantastic for you. And now you've traveled again, the globe, you know, Canada, especially, you know, tell me what's your best meal? Where was it? What like set the stage? Was it yummy? I mean, obviously it was yummy, but tell me like, I always like to ask people this question because so many people like take you to a different place and time or something that's so unusual from our traditional daily lives.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I've, I have gone to so many places. I would say one of my favorite meals was in Tropea which is in Italy so it's in uh, the south it's uh, on the east coast of Calabria and it's a seaside type town and my dad's family is from Calabria so we went to visit they're from Cosenza we went to visit my aunts one of my uncles decided to take us to Tropea and it's just this beautiful seaside town with these big cliffs um, it's like the homes are built into the side of the cliffs, and the ocean is incredible. Um, we had a meal there, it was out on a patio overlooking the ocean, so you could smell the sea air, hear the waves, all of the beautiful things. And we had—I just remember having like shrimp in sauce, but it was like the shrimp that comes with the heads on them, so you have to like really dig it, oh. just like get messy and dirty. And it was just delicious and. I would say, I really want to go back there and have that meal again. And you don't you don't remember the name of it? Oh, I don't remember the name of the restaurant at all. Oh. And my suspicion is any of the restaurants there would be equally amazing and incredible because it's, it's a tiny town and anytime you're sitting outside. And for some reason, food always tastes better when you're on vacation. Always.
0: A hundred percent. exactly.
1: I think food grown in Southern Italy is also just super delicious and fresh. And, you know, I remember the tomato sauce that was on there just was the brightest and uh, just super flavorful.
0: Oh, I love that. We got back from Tropea two weeks ago. So you tr- Tropea? Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, that's so funny. We needed somewhere to stop in between... Puglia to Sicily where our family's from and someone said you have to go to Trapani. it's so beautiful my aunt said that and I I fell in love with that place it's so beautiful and the water is crystal clear and yeah the food was great and we asked our hotel we stayed at a tiny little like hotel and they said here's the name of a place and it was like off the main square, off the second main square, off the third main square, down an alley to the back. And we're like, oh my God, is this person going to like rob us? But it was this tiny like restaurant that it was just so magical. And it was so far off the beaten track, but it was so good. And then as soon as we sat down, I guess, because we eat early because of our sun um, at, you know, eight, nine o'clock when normal people go out to eat in Italy, everything's so late. It just got crowded. I was like, oh my gosh, this place is so far off the main Track, but it was so young. And yeah, we had to.
1: Everybody knew it. And the thing, one thing that Tropea is very famous for is their uh, red onions, like the small onions. onions. And uh, yeah, like they use that for everything. You can have them raw, like in an antipasto. They'll add them to every single dish in the multitudes of ways. And even when you're driving into the town, you can just see them like tied into braids on the side of buildings, hanging over while you're driving around. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I I didn't know that. It was so cool. It's been like 15 years since I've been. And that's why I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it still is so vivid. I can smell the place still. I remember going swimming there too. We had, again, we were only there for a day. So we didn't even sleep over. We literally went in for the day. And, but we did go for a quick swim. And when you come out of the water, like the salt rings stayed on your arm and you'd have to brush them off. It was just like, oh, I loved it.
0: And you just float. I remember being like,
1: I'm really floating here. It was so beautiful. And my son
0: kept licking his lips like mommy, there's salt. I was like, Oh my. Oh, I loved it. Anyway, oh, so good. because you don't remember, you have to go back. I so next year. Back. You gotta you gotta get there because you know, you gotta find that restaurant, tell us the name so we can put it in our show notes and Exactly. Re relive the little uh shrimps, shrimps with the heads on. Yeah. Shrimp with the heads on, no no S. Uh, so tell me. You can have an elaborate dinner party on Friday. Who would you invite? What would you make?
1: Would you cater it? Tell me. (laughs) I do love catering sometimes, but especially when my kids were younger. I, I would, yes, you know, there's always the famous people you think of when this question comes up. But to be honest, I would invite all of my cousins and my brother and like my immediate family. As our kids have all gotten older, it has been so hard to get everyone together. I think, I think we sort of had a routine before the pandemic. Since the pandemic, it just seems impossible. Like even at Christmas and and birthdays and holidays, getting everyone together, there is always someone out of town. There's always someone who can't make it. And I would just love to have my immediate cousins, uh, one of my uncles who passed away uh, before the pandemic, love to have him come. uh, Just have i don't know i guess go back in time and family yeah back put the family together and have you know a three-hour meal where maybe we're fighting a little bit but we're also loving each other and poking fun at each other and all of the things that families do when they get together Um, i don't think it's unique to my family that we poke fun at each other (laughs) at least my brother and i do Um, and it's so much fun and i miss it just it, it feels as though getting everyone together now is so much effort and it's, it is almost impossible. And yeah. uh, I miss that. And so I think if I, if I, my, if I had my, my choice, I would do that. And as for me, a meal, I would definitely ask my dear Plata to cook. And <laughs> because, there we go. I like it. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love her cooking. And again, this is part of the making fun. There's always too much food and we're always like, you know, oh, you made three kinds of pasta and five kinds of meat and you know twenty five desserts on this table. But I love that, and I love the chaos of it. I love that we all go home with a plate full of food. It's part a of the plate? tradition, right? It's yeah, like a mountain. And I love. That. I think it would be really nice if I could somehow wave a magic wand and and get everyone together without, you know, forty five emails and. Like for planning. Yeah. Like just magically snap your fingers. Yeah. My, some of my cousins, we used to do like a cousin's day in January. And again, since the pandemic, it's so hard to get everybody together because one of our kids has a hockey game. Someone else has a soccer game. Someone else has a birthday party or someone's out of town for work. And it's, um, yeah, I miss, I miss being able to all get together. And you know
0: what? Your answer is not. I mean, I've interviewed a few people on this podcast and a few people have said the same thing. I think everyone just misses that connection, especially after COVID. So yeah, that's goosebumps and and family, obviously family first. So I love that. And yeah, hopefully you can wave that magic wand and maybe that'll happen this Christmas. So let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: I've got one of my cousins and I have been trying to get together since October. And one of us always seems to have to cancel one reason or another, but we're just going to keep at it and eventually it will happen and it will be awesome. Yeah. So,
0: so tell me, how do you what's your favorite foods? Like, what, how do you nourish your family? What do they
1: love to eat? Oh, nourish. That is a very loaded word, Lisa.
0: <laughs> well, how do you <laughs> feed them? And then, you know, fair enough, fair enough. Um, some of our favorite, my last podcast person said chicken nuggets. So I was like, there you go. Yeah, you
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I love pasta, so I do like making a good meaty sauce that cooks for three hours. Obviously, I can't do that every single day. But when I can, I do love a good pasta. I love making risotto as well. And that's one that is not as labor intensive. I think people always think that it takes a long time. But in like 45 minutes, you can get a really good risotto together. Yes, I take shortcuts. So sometimes I'll buy pre-made broth, or I'll use bouillon to make it. Not making my my broth from scratch yeah. all the time but yeah i love a good risotto uh, uh what do we do i do a lot of you know my son has gotten into he likes meat, but he also really loves tofu so i've had to learn how to make oh. tofu which as a child as an italian kid yeah. first generation it's we don't uh i did not grow up with with tofu or or making it so i've had to learn a lot of youtube videos i use a lot of uh, I don't know if you know who Melissa Clark is she's a, no. uh, a New York Times chef she's an American and okay she has a cookbook called dinner and there's like a whole chapter on tofu and I need to get that book it's really good and her yeah. recipes are very approachable but sophisticated enough that you feel like you're having an adult meal but you can whip it together very quickly and um, so yeah I've learned how to make does
0: she have a recipe in there for like crispy tofu? Cause I've had it at
1: restaurants where I'm like, what is
0: this? And then they're like, this is tofu. I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. But I don't know how to do that. Is that deep fried? Is that just in the frying pan? No,
1: uh, the way that I get my my tofu crispy, and I don't know if I got this from Melissa Clark, so I don't remember where I got my technique from, but um, you press it between paper towel for at least 30 minutes. Cause you have to like try to get the extra yeah. out and then cornstarch
0: oh and then you fry like fry it in the yeah. frying pan or deep fry
1: right no then I just fry it with a little bit of, of oil not too much but okay the starch absorbs some of that and makes it sort of like a coating on it
0: okay so next time we go paddle boarding hopefully in the spring but we'll have to go to Mandy's salads oh which is on Ossington and they have a great cookbook there uh two sisters I think from Montreal but they have that's where I had that crispy tofu in one of their salads and it's Amazing. So, yeah, if you want to get that, ask for that cookbook for Christmas. Okay. Mandy's cookbook. They have it beautifully on display at Indigo. Okay. Uh, But she, their, the two sisters have the most amazing salad recipes with like all like olive oil and tons of lemon and garlic. And they have a
1: section on tofu, which. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about chickpeas? So chickpeas chickpeas in a salad.
0: Yes. And they had a recipe in there on how to toast chickpeas, which. Looks so exotic when you have a menu, but you literally just throw them in the oven and toast them.
1: You dry them out. I know. it's so. I did not funny. know
0: that. I was like, oh, well, okay. Well, I think I had one last question. What was growing up eating in your household like? Because you said you grew up in an Italian family. Was it pasta every night? I know our household had to have pasta every night. What was yours? What was your
1: growing up food? Uh, growing up pasta every night was definitely uh, on the menu, but we did a lot of meats, meats and sauce. A lot of polentas, like the saucy kind of. Oh, we
0: never had polentas. Is that because from where you were from
1: or was that? I don't know. Maybe Southern Italian. Italian. I don't know. Uh, So we would do polenta. polenta on Sundays. My mother made her own pasta often and we would, my dad would take my brother and I to church and then we would come home and my cousins would come over and we'd all sort of have an afternoon meal. We had fish. A did walk? your mom have pasta stringed around the house like oh, my grandmother did? Oh, literally.
0: Broomsticks and I was like, is this that, clean?
1: But I guess. We are hanging over chairs. Okay. I one of those houses that we had two kitchens, one upstairs and one downstairs. We never seemed to use the one upstairs. We were always in the basement, which I, you know, anyway, I'm yep. now in a house with only one kitchen. Um, although my dream oh my is gosh. to have fridges. I really want two fridges. I don't know where I would put a second fridge, but. Yes, yeah. For
0: those of you listening, we both
1: live in the city in tiny like houses. Which, you
0: know, we live in the city, but we give up the space of like a bigger home. And
1: yeah, suburbs. I uh, I feel like I'm always going to the store for bread and for eggs and cheese and all kinds of things. And if I had a second fridge, I feel like I could cut that down. But there's the joy of going out and getting everything you need for the family, especially now that the kids are of ages where they eat like adults. Yeah. And
0: we both live at the East End and I think we both love the same pizza restaurant, uh, which has a really good chili pepper sauce, pepper, not chili, pepperoncino. Yeah. How do you say it in English? Pepperoncino. (laughs) So do you want to, do you want to tell us a little bit like where we both love to go and get sourdough and eat it all in one evening?
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, our, our mutual friend, Dave, uh, he has a a restaurant called Maricchioni and, um, For those in Toronto, Gerard and Coxwell. And um, yeah, he's got a great sourdough starter. That pro tip, if you go in and you ask for some of the sourdough starter, they will give you some in a little container to take home. So you can have your own sourdough starter at home. Oh. But he's got the best sourdough bread that on the weekends, I love to go down, grab a loaf. I get them to slice it for me. And then I'll come home and make the kids like egg in a hole with the sourdough bread. And they love that. Oh and so I love that. we eat a lot of eggs. We do uh, we do a lot of eggs and a lot of fish, but eggs in particular go quickly in my house. But he also does like great pizzas and uh, like mortadella sandwiches, all kinds of so good. delicious.
0: So, so lucky that we can walk to that restaurant, which when they moved in, I was like, was I'm, so good.
1: My kids will both work there when they're a little bit older so that they could come home with food.
0: There you go. Also I at like that idea.
1: They also talk about the focaccia. They have a great focaccia, which I have tried to make myself at home many times, but it never quite comes out as good.
0: No, that's what I thought. If you get that sourdough from them, will it be the same as that giant bowl that he makes? Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Let's just leave it to him to, to do because we're busy. We got to go paddleboarding. We got to go pickleballing. We got to like, help. then we got
1: to go there for a treat. We got to go, go weightlifting. We have to get our stuff.
0: Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to try that. You're going to have to take me to that.
1: Yes. Okay. I think I might force you next weekend to come with me.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: If okay. you're ready.
0: Well, it's, I'm ready. Well, I, what do I need to do?
1: Nothing. Just show up in sweats. Up. Okay. Okay. Sweats. Okay. Okay. Well. Thinking now, thinking now, what's... Do I have clothes to wear? Yes. I to, have clothes to wear, <laughs> to, yes, <you> clothes <laughs> to, wear to lift. I, I promise.
0: I started working out during the pandemic because so my doctor said I needed to. But I like I like to walk. I'm not a... Like, I, I've never got, because I guess growing up, we I never had any role models that exercise So we never exercised growing up. So we just walked. So I like to walk. But yeah, cardio, strength training. Yeah, I, I need it now. So, I'll, okay. Next Saturday? When do you go? Sunday? Saturday. Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Okay. okay. Only if we promise to go to Dave's to get sourdough and like... <laughs>
1: That's all the carbs after we work out. No problem. I'm down. I'm I'm Okay,
0: perfect. Tell your daughter, we'll all go. Okay.
1: I I have sweats. I can do this. I can do this.
0: Okay. I'll report back on the next
1: podcast. Maybe we'll like do a a weightlifting session or something. Lisa survived the weightlifting session. And what food did eat after she worked out?
0: That's gonna be more interesting, I think. So
1: yeah. And can we have wine after that? Because he has really good wines there. Is that yeah, but too early. Have to go to the gym a little bit later than eight AM.
0: No, no, no. Okay. Let's do coffee. The coffee is good there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, Angela, I've had so much fun talking to you and I'm so happy that I've interviewed you because I've admired your career. And I know I can't gush, you know, to you when I see you for a paddle or over coffee, but I I do commend your career and you're such a hardworking mom and friend and you've done so much for the world of journalism. And I think, you know, all the awards that you've received and the team you've Managed or you know well deserved. It couldn't go to a better woman leader, and I think you know, you are a true leader in your industry. And I know so many women look up to you. So I wanted to say thank you for sharing some of your time on a busy day. And I'm I'm grateful to call you a friend. So I'm super happy that I have both of those. You know, I can I got a cool friend at the Globe. And I still want that giant crossword that you guys do because every year I keep forgetting to buy the paper on that day. So this year I'm going to get it. Is that New Year's Day? When is it?
1: We do it twice a year now. We New do New it on Canada Day weekend. We always have a giant crossword. And then oh. Christmas Eve or like Christmas, whatever Eve. the closest okay. Saturday to Christmas Eve is, is where I okay. get it. So I got to get it. the year we do it now because it was like in so demand. It's such demand. I know. Did I text you to see, like, do you have a copy? Everyone, it, it, everyone text me twice right a to here ask me. Here. And then ask if me. I have an extra copy, I'll have people like running to my house to try to get one.
0: Nobody, nobody texts you all year long. And
1: then all of a sudden it was like. Hey. Do you have, oh, people um, ask me, like everyone it's, people are obsessed with it. I think it's because there's not a lot of Canadian crosswords. There's a lot of American yeah. and yeah. like overseas, but I think the Canadian clues are sort of fun for people and a lot of families yeah. do it together. Like one woman told me that. Um, over Christmas break she'll bring it with her to her parents house and the whole family will do it over the course of four or five days like they'll leave it on the same table and when someone goes by they'll try to fill in one word and keep going and I love that I just love that yeah we'll make that part of their tradition
0: and for people listening tell them the size of it
1: what do you mean oh it's people that don't know it yeah right it is it's giant oh now I can't remember how many clues it is but it's no no how big is it it's like Two full pages, right? Well, yeah, it's it's the full center spread of the newspaper. And so, and the yeah. two extra pages of just the clues. So yeah, you have to have it open large. Uh, if you want to, we even have a way to print it online. Uh, no, it doesn't work. I tried. Different pages, to tape it together. We had a whole video on how to do that, but it was that.
0: No, who wants a taped crossword? Nobody. No, don't even suggest that. That's rubbish. No, I want the paper. I'm going to get it this year. Okay. I should set a reminder. I should set a reminder.
1: I'll put it on all my socials. I usually do.
0: Why don't you just take home like a big bundle? You're like, bye, everybody. I need a cat home. <laughs> uh,
1: it was day. So prior to uh, the pandemic, the day the crossword did come out, there were never any copies in the office because everybody always stole them um, to take them to friends and family, probably. I but I love it. You can also get a subscription to the Saturday paper and never miss it.
0: I am an online subscriber. I have to say,
1: (laughs) this is the guilt portion of the podcast. (laughs) Catholic
0: guilt runs deep. (laughs) Mom guilt, Catholic guilt. I know. I'm gonna sign off now before I get any more. (laughs) It's any trouble. (laughs) All right, Lisa. Well, have have a wonderful day. I will see you at the gym. I'll bring my uh, 1980s sweatpants. I'll find them in the bottom of my closet, and I'll uh, (laughs) I'll pay for the coffee. (laughs) Have a good day, Angela. Hi. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolce.com. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Lisa